Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Guardians of the Future podcast. I'm your host, Justin Latta. Another good week in the Guardians farm system. A lot of uh, weird happenings, some good things, some bad things, some injuries, uh, some good news on the injury front, too. We're going to cover it all this week. Uh, no special guests flying solo this week. Uh, hopefully next week we will have a guest on. I got some feelers reaching out again, trying to get more people on the podcast. But uh, if there's anybody out there you're looking for me to talk to or any specific area you want me to focus on, happy to do that when I fly solo for the podcast. Um, but yeah, hopefully next week we'll have a special guest on. A lot has happened in the last week. You know, since we lasted this podcast, Luke and Allen's had two starts. Tanner Bybee has made his major league debut. By the time you're listening to this, he might have already pitched his second game at Yankee Stadium, no less. Uh, how about that? So, Logan Allen, terrific in his first start against Miami Marlins. About as good as you can ask for. I mean, I think like I said on Lockdown Guardians, and I might have even said it here already last week, but for a guy to come up and look exactly like he looks in the minors, he settles right in right away and he plays like himself. He pitches like he knows how to pitch and doesn't try to do something he's not capable of doing. I mean, we saw a lot of good stuff from him in his first start. He really relied on that, that changeup when the Rock, the Miami Marlins tried to overload the lineup with right-handers and he has that good split change. And then against Boston, there are more lefties because they just have a more left-handed heavy lineup. He went out and used that sweeper that's really good for him. And he was good there. Eight strikeouts in both outings. Uh, you know, one run allowed against the Marlins, two against the Red Sox. Should have won the Red Sox game, too, if the offense and bullpen didn't make it harder for him. But, hey, Logan Allen's here to stay. And that little bit of adversity that he went through last year ended up being really, really good for him. It forced him to work on things over the winter. He identified some areas that he had to fix. Uh, I know everyone's talked about fastball velocity for him, but he hasn't really added a lot of velocity, in my opinion. Like, if you look at the numbers and his performances over the last couple of years, he, yes, in college, he was like 88, 92. And as a pro, he's been 90, 93, touches 94. He's never really touched about 94. There was some speculation in spring training that he was hitting 95. Maybe we'll see that. I'd love for us to see that. Um, it's, it's really 90-94. That's where he's been most of his minor league career. That's where he's been. And he's effective because of the vertical approach angle we talked about last week where um, it's just a very flat, shallow angle from the ball coming into home plate where you think the ball is going to have a little more gravity take its take take its toll and, and drop as it comes into the strike zone, which is normal uh, because that's how gravity works, apparently, even though I'm not a physicist. Um, but because of the way he throws the ball at that angle, it looks like it drops less. It, it, it almost gives that rise effect. And normally you see that with spin too, but it's the same idea here. It's just very, very flat and not a lot of, uh, a lot of change. It doesn't go where the batter thinks it's going to go. So that's extremely impressive for Logan Allen. And then Tanner Bybee, of course, not going to forget about Tanner Bybee. Remember this year before lockdown guardians, the Guardians of the Future podcast was the Locked on Bybee cast. Uh, <laughs> Willie Hood and I had talked about Tanner Bybee, I don't know, every time on the podcast last year. We were pushing pushing hard to get this guy's name out there. And, you know, he did a pretty did a pretty good job himself getting his name out there 
Uh, as I'm recording this, the Guardians just took a 3-2 lead on uh, May 1st against the Yankees after being on 2 nothing all game. So uh, all good things happening at this moment. Uh, but Tanner Bybee, I mean, they didn't want to go to him. And I said this on Lockdown Guardians. This is a good thing for the Guardians. They did not want to use Logan Allen. They did not want to use Tanner Bybee in April. I don't know. I think they would have loved to have held off until June on both of those guys, if not longer. But they had to go young last year with position players early in the season because of how the offseason went and things. They cut bait with guys like Bobby Bradley and Yu Chang and Bradley Zimmer. Uh, all the guys I talked about on the other podcasts, um, Lockdown Guardians at the corner with Zach and Chuck as well. On Sunday, you should take a listen to that after you listen to this and Lockdown Guardians. It was a good thing for them to do that because it's going to be better for their pitching staff in the long run. So that's that's a really good thing for them. They did that. And Bayou was as advertised. I mean, got the 97. Uh, I guess the one pitch he threw really hard was off of uh, Charlie Blackman's hip, but that's okay. Because he recovered, he struck out six batters straight at one point. Uh, not, I don't think any rookie's ever done that in his first start for the Guardians in the Cleveland in the Cleveland history. So that's good. Changeup was good. The slider was dominant. The curveball, he was able to steal for strikes. I mean, he showed confidence in that curveball. I, I think I said this uh, earlier uh, other places as well. I mean, the curveball. There was one at bat where he threw it and it wasn't a strike. It was close. And then the next next pitch, he came back with and got a foul ball. He is not afraid to throw two pitches in a row the same way or, or the same spot if he feels confident. He's never been afraid of that. Change-ups, anything. And he's not fastball-reliant, even though he has a good fastball, so that's really important for him as well. But uh, everything looked, again, as advertised, as he looked in the minors. He came out, didn't walk batters, uh, was in the zone, could throw all four pitches for strikes. The fastball... Velocity held. Slider got swings and misses. He went to the changeup when he needed it. I can't wait to see what he does against the Yankees, although they won't have Aaron Judge, so we'll see. Um, some other system moves, though. Let's talk about these real quick, because we're going to focus on the Akron Rubber Ducks a little bit today before we take some questions. Uh, because let's, we've talked about the Clippers last week. Before we talk about Hill, the Hillcats, we'll talk about the Captains again next week, because I'm going to see them at home this week, potentially twice coming up, so maybe some good things there. So let's talk about the Ducks a little bit. Before we do that, though, let's let's look at the moves. So some good moves today. Um, the big one to me is Ethan Hankins is back off of the IL for the first time since 2019 we're seeing Ethan Hankins pitch. That is a really, really good thing for him. That's a good thing for the Guardians farm system, truthfully. I don't know what's going to happen with him. He's going to go to Lake County. You know, this is a guy who obviously didn't pitch in 2020 because of the pandemic, had Tommy John in 2021, missed all 2022 coming back from that. Uh, instead of really, he didn't really come back. He made like a, a one outing in Arizona and didn't really make any progress there. And then he was held back in, in to start the year in extended spring training. So now he's at Lake County because there have been some moves throughout the system that have required moving him, but he, he should have been back at some point anyway. And I know a question on a lot of people's mind is, is he going to be a starter? Or is he going to be a reliever? And I think at first he is going to be a reliever. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be a reliever, but I would expect him to be in very controlled outings, almost like a piggyback at most. If he comes out and pitches one inning, I wouldn't be shocked. If he comes out and pitches three innings, that would be about as much as I would expect him to go. I think depending on how they've been working him in, in Arizona, I don't have any knowledge of how they've been working Hankins in Arizona, but 
I can't imagine he is going to go more than three innings at, at the go at the outset of his appearances in Lake County. If he stretched out, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just one inning. I don't, again, I don't know how stretched out he is right now, but one to three innings right now is as much as I can see him getting. And that will not say anything about it. Obviously if he's getting three innings, I guess that means they're building him up as a starter and they're just, they're starting at three innings. Um, but if he goes one inning, that doesn't mean he's a reliever right now either. It just means they're trying to get him innings. And that's the most important thing right now for Ethan Hankins, who hasn't thrown a competitive pitch except for one inning in Arizona since 2019. He needs innings and, and, and reps, however possible. He just needs to be able to throw the ball consistently. Um, and also, there's going to be a lot of rust, too. So if you're looking at his pitching lines, you know, don't freak out about walks. His control wasn't always the best in the past. Anyway, but don't, you know, don't think about walks. We'll see what the velo is. I'm hoping to catch him at this home stand for Lake County if he pitches. I'll, I'll hope to talk to him as well because, like I said, I'm going to be out there twice. We'll see what the pitching, how the pitching lines up this week uh, out in Lake County. But, you know, let's give him a little bit of grace in terms of how, how he looks out there. It's going to be a lot of rust, and he just needs innings. And to me, this is important because – Right now, I have some real concerns about the pitching in the system. Uh, I'm not saying the pitching factory is is closing up or anything bad is happening, but we've seen some issues pop up. Like, there's not a lot of depth at the higher higher end right now. Like, Bobby and Allen are up. Williams is there, and I think Williams will pitch this year. There's still Joey Cantillo. We'll see what happens with him. I'll get to that later in the podcast as well. Uh, Joey Cantillo, because I know people have had comments about him too. But if you go down to Akron, you've got Tanner Burns, who we'll talk about him in the Akron segment too, who I think is is doing a little better than most people have given him credit for, even though there's still some issues there. But if you look below that, like to me, there's, there's, you know, you've got your, your Bybee, your Allen, your Williams, your Cantillo, Espino, even though he's hurt. You know, I'll still rank him. And I think you've got Jack Leftwich to me is good. Hankins is back when he's all the way in Lake County. He's not an option right now. Hopefully they can get him back in shape to where he was as a, as a top prospect or, or at least a highly thought of prospect. Justin Campbell is hurt, and there's not a whole lot of ETA out there on him. It's, it's a dicey elbow injury. It's scary. Obviously, Espino's situation is scary, too, at the shoulder. Beyond that, Below Akron, the pitching to me is is super dicey because you know you've got Burns, you've got Cantillo, Ross Carver, who I thought has been good so far. They got him in the Carlos Vargas deal. Uh, he went on the injured list today with a oblique strain. That's not good. Obliques are bad, as we've seen. Nikhazy can't throw strikes. They're trying Hunter Stanley as a starter. And it's going okay. I understand why they're doing it. The guy needs innings. I think he'd move faster as a reliever. But look, they need innings. They need starter stuff. Um, Lake County. Rodney Boone. There's Rodney Boone has an interesting backstory and a very good one. But the guy doesn't top 88. Trenton Denholm barely hit 90 last time I saw him. Uh, Will Dion. I want to talk about him too because he's off to a good start. And he was 91 down in Dayton, his last start. So I think that's a good sign for him. Velocity-wise, that's where he's got to be. I don't know if there's a lot more in the tank for him. He's a small guy, but 
he's got a great pitch mix. So if he's 91, he could be a left-handed Josh Tomlin type uh, because he has the arsenal, he has the control, and he might hit 91. I don't know if he'll ever 92. I guess we'll see. Uh, huge win for the Guardians, 3-2, as I'm wrapping this up. Reed Johnson, to me, is an interesting prospect. Ryan Webb is an interesting prospect. But these guys are just interesting. Johnson is older. He might only have two pitches. The delivery is is a little shaky. Um, it's deceptive, but it might be a reliever's delivery. Webb is still coming back from Tommy John. He's two years out, and he's only hitting like 92, and his control is is in and out. So, you know, Campbell isn't there. Parker Messick has been okay in Lynchburg, but he's, his velocity is not picked up yet. You're hoping that that's something Cleveland can help him improve with. There are no stars at Lynchburg to me that stick out right now. And there certainly aren't any in the ACL because they haven't started yet. But, you know, maybe Dylan DeLucia is not is not at an affiliate. Well, we'll see what happens there. Jackson Humphreys is a teenager. Obviously, he wasn't going to go anywhere. Same with Jacob Zibben. So they need some of those teenagers. Uh, Tommy Ventimiglia is a guy they spent some – they were able to sign out of high school two years – or last year. Javier Santos might be a reliever. I'm not sure. But those guys are teenagers. So, like – you're hoping Dion and I'm hoping Johnson thinks I like him and I'm hoping Webb pans out. But like to me, beyond beyond Leftwich, who, you know, once hopefully they can get Campbell healthy, it, it's a little dicey pitching wise. They don't have a lot of guys coming down below. Hopefully Campbell gets healthy and everything's okay, because that would be a huge boost. And that's why I think Ethan Hankins coming back is a huge boost. It's gonna take time. You can't really there's no guarantees with him, and you can't sit here and say make any wild sleeping projections about him. The only thing I really know about Ethan Hankins is he posted on Instagram this, this spring that he was up to 98 with his fastball. He was throwing 90 on the changeup. His spin looked good on both of those from the metrics he posted on Instagram. I'm sure the guardians didn't love that, but uh, you know, maybe they don't even know who knows. Uh, they don't have maybe a, a real strong social media policy, but it showed good things. I will say that thing he posted, he didn't post it because it made him look bad. He made, he posted it because it made him look good. That's a good sign. So we don't have to have a whole lot of expectations of him right now, but it's a huge step for him to come back. And I hope he looks good because he needs it and the organization surely needs it. So hopefully we'll find out more this week from Lake County. David Fry got called up to the majors on Monday before the game. Uh, the three-catcher experiment lives on in Cleveland. But it makes a hell of a lot more sense now because now they have a guy who can hit. And David Fry doesn't have to be glued to the bench like Valoria was as a as a late replacement, as a safety blanket. He is a catcher safety blanket, and that's what Tito apparently needs. Um, I know they have not wanted to use Zanino on the days he's not catching. So the days Cam Gallagher has caught, they have not wanted to use Zanino. They have gone to Valoria after, and Zanino there is, is there as an emergency, but they're trying to do that because they need to build him up, and they're kind of worried about you know durability coming back from that injury, which is understandable because it's a difficult injury, and they really need Zanino. But Fry doesn't have to catch to have an impact, and he still serves as that safety blanket. He's a guy who can play third base if you need him, so he gives you an extra infielder, which is good. Uh, he's got history playing second, which, you know, okay, maybe. Hopefully you don't need that, but it's an option. Um, he can play first base. So, hey, against right-handers, against lefties, I should say, he can swing the bat. 
you don't have to miscast Gabriel Arias, which I'm very curious to see what impact this has on Gabriel Arias, but you don't have to miscast him as um, a lefty first base or a lefty hitting first baseman. That's good news. Um, so if Fry does play first base against left-handers, he can still serve as your third catcher. You still have Arias on the bench, provided he doesn't start that day. You can put him at first. If you really need to put Fry behind the plate, you can. So this really makes a lot of sense. It's made sense from spring training. He's off to a great start in AAA. Um, you know, he was hitting 289 with a couple of homers, 16 RBI, 10, stri- 10 walks, 19 strikeouts. Um, 289, 381, 478. But more importantly, in his career, I only I tweeted this earlier today, uh, in the minors at double A and above for David Fry. 2021 at double A and triple A, 988 OPS against left handers, 76 at bats. Last year in triple A, 96 at bats against lefties, 812 OPS. Not as good. He started out pretty slow there, but he got better as the season went on. So far this year in 33 at bats against lefties, 880 OPS. The guy hits lefties. So, that's huge. He hits lefties. He's a third catcher. You don't really want him to catch. The arm is good. And I will note he hasn't caught all year for Columbus. And that's, you know, Bo Naylor's there. And for whatever reason, they feel like Zach Collins could keep catching. I would just catch David Fry. I'm not catching Bo Naylor, but um, they didn't give David Fry a whole lot of catching opportunities in 2022 until late in the year either because they were splitting between La Vestita and Naylor. But um, right before Naylor got up there, I should say. But that's, uh, I don't know. They they clearly view Fry as a third catcher, and that's fine because Valoria didn't play either. But he's an emergency guy, and he can he can serve other roles. This makes their bench so much better. And and maybe Fry doesn't hit major league pitching. I don't know. But it's worth the experiment because they need someone who can hit lefties. And Valoria was a dead spot on the roster because they weren't playing him. He was there as a safety net. At least you could do other things with Fry. He might be able to help solve some of your lefty issues. I'm not saying he's the answer, but he's worth a shot because you've really got nobody else. I know someone might say John Kenzie well, but John Kenzie well looks terrible in triple a. I'm sorry. He looks bad. He cannot recognize a breaking ball and he's, he's got some development to work on. So he is not an option to me this year at all until things improve. Uh, every time I watch him, it looks like he just doesn't know a breaking ball is coming when it is. And he's not even facing major league breaking balls yet. So who knows what happens when he faces major league breaking balls. Um, so Fry at least gives you a chance to do something interesting here. And maybe he proves he's a good 26 man. I don't know. But I like the move. I think they should have done this from spring training. I think it makes a ton of sense. Even if it doesn't work out, it's a good experiment. Other good news. So Gavin Williams made his first start in AAA last week after Tanner Bybee got the bump to the majors. Uh, Williams went in and looked fantastic. No shock. Uh, came right in and pitched really well. Um, got into the sixth inning, gave up a, a couple walks before he was pulled. Not really sharp as as the game went on, but you know that's that's about as far as he's worked all year. He was still ninety three, ninety six, topping out at ninety nine or ninety seven, I should say. The slider looked good, but until the end, the changeup he threw a couple good changeups too, which was good to see. And again, the two walks came at the end of the sixth inning before he was pulled. He had six strikeouts before then. My concern, not really a concern, but I was a little surprised by because now he's in AAA. We have um, data on his pitches from StatCast. And the spin rate on his fastball was pretty pedestrian. 
I couldn't believe that. I, I was stunned that, that that was the case for him. Um, the good news is, though, his fastball, the vertical movement, and Savant didn't initially show this for some reason, but the vertical movement on his fastball is still really good. So despite the fact that his fastball spin was low, um, the vertical movement on his fastball was still really good, which is a good sign for him. Um, so that's that's one way, obviously, he dominates hitters is because of the vertical movement on his fastball. So I'm trying to pull it up on <clears throat> Savant here as I'm going through things and it's taken forever. But yeah, the fastball spin just was not was not good. I was just like I said, I was very, very stunned to see that. Um but the vertical movement was still very elite, which is great. Everything else was okay too. I mean, maybe he's just not a big spin guy. I don't know. I just maybe that's the case with him. Uh, the fact that he's dominated so far says that it hasn't mattered, right? And if he continues to do that in AAA, then nobody's going to care because um, he bullied guys in AAA in his debut, and uh, the walks are the only thing that really bugged him at the end, which isn't a shock for Gavin Williams at all. I mean, he's got control issues. So spin rate, yeah, the spin rate is 2135. Uh, that's going to be about in the 20, 20th percentile. Somewhere down there. Slider was about the 2200 revolutions. Um, I'm just looking through. Doesn't want to show me some other metrics. I'm, I'm still trying to find the, the data on the pitch movement here. But um, either way, he, he looked good. Just surprised the spin was down. The vertical movement of the fastball was good. So I'm going to keep an eye on that as well. Had some questions about injury news, so there has been a couple of moves in the system. Um, obviously, Hankins is off the IL. Let me go back and find my questions here. Actually, we'll we'll address the um, the injury news at the end because some people had questions about the injuries. Let's talk about the Akron Rubber Ducks a little bit, though, as we talked as we said we would. So, obviously, Gavin Williams is gone from the rotation. They had a doubleheader, so. Doug Nikhazy and Jack Leftwich started the year out as a piggyback tandem. Uh, I'm guessing that splits it up is Williams being gone, especially now with Ross Carver hitting the IL, which is not great. Um, with Carver on the IL, did, they, did Akron get somebody? Akron got Jaime Arias. So, you know, Arias is uh, um, going up and down and serving as the, the depth that no matter where he goes, if it's triple A, it's double A, he goes where he's needed. Uh, those guys are important to have in the system, I will say. Hope they reward him accordingly because that's a tough role to fill. So he was in Lake County. He went to Akron. So that, I guess, Jaime Arias is probably serving a rotation role in Akron for the time being. So your rotation is Burns, Stanley, Cantillo, Nikhazy, Leftwich, and you'll have um, Jaime Arias. Shane McCarthy is getting some of his innings pushed up a little bit. He's coming back from uh, Tommy John, too, so I think they're trying to stretch him out a little. So that's why your rotation in Akron right now. Burns has not gone very long in a lot of his starts, mostly because of his control. Uh, he throws a lot of pitches. He, For a guy who doesn't walk a ton of batters, man, the guy doesn't throw a lot of strikes. Like He continually gets himself into deep counts against hitters. Every time I watch him, and I don't know if it's a stuff thing or if he just loses control of certain pitches, he definitely does not like throwing. He's trying to throw his fastball too much, in my opinion. 
I uh, would love to see more of the slider and the curve. It's a nine, it's a 9% walk rate. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's actually about where it was in, in Lake County two, uh, two years ago. Uh, last year in Akron, the walk rate was an issue, but you know, he battled some arm injuries last year. Uh, the strikeout rate looks good this year. He's 24 in double A. At some point this year, you'd like to see Tanner Birds in triple A. This is why I went back to the pitching pipeline thing because um, the Columbus rotation is pretty horrid too. I mean, look, Peyton Banfield probably goes back down for, for Sam Henches this week, and your rotation in AAA is Gaddis, Scott, Williams, Battenfield, and um, whoever the heck else you can get to fill out the rest of the spot. It's, it's pretty ugly up there. So Burns, because of his draft standing in the past, because of where he's been recently, because he's being 24, you'd like to get him up to AAA at some point this year. And he's been okay. Like I said, he's missing some bats. The velocity is 90-93, something special. Um it's not a good fastball. He was up to 97 in college, but he had the shoulder problems. Secondaries are, are okay. Like he can get by on those. The changeup's not special. The curveball and the, the slider are good. They're two good secondaries. Maybe Burns is, de- is destined for a bullpen role, but they invested in, in a CBA pick in him in 2020, and nobody really knew how to draft in 2020, I guess. Some guys got lucky. Some teams didn't, um, you know. Logan Allen worked out. Maybe the rest of them won't. But you'd like to get Burns AAA and try him as a starter as long as you can for that investment. But uh, he, I will say numbers-wise, he's been better than maybe most people give him credit for. I've been kind of down on him as a prospect. The numbers look okay. The walks are an issue. Um, the deep counts are an issue. It doesn't allow him to go deep in games. So that's something to keep an eye on. The Hunter Stanley thing is a starter. I don't know. Again, I, I think... They just needed to get innings, but maybe they just needed someone to cover innings in Akron. That's maybe the case, too. Um, I still think he's better off as a reliever, but, you know, he's pitched okay at times. I thought he was a little more special as a reliever. He'll probably stick for a while. Joey Cancillo, been good. Uh, 12 strikeouts, 11 innings, 6 hits allowed, and 11 innings, third innings. He's hard to hit, and he's just got to work on the walks. It's just about getting the walks down for him. Um. Our buddy, long-time, or, you know, I don't know, long-time listener, but uh, dedicated listener, uh, Zach, Fino MVP, thought maybe we'd see Joey Cancel at the major league level, and this is not to call Zach out, but I never thought we would see Joey Cancel this season at the major league level by any stretch. Um, he has not gone really above 70 pitches at all in a start this season. This is a guy who has pitched – half a year since 2019 he missed obviously no one pitched 2020 he missed all of 2021 except for a couple innings he missed half the year in 2022 so he has pitched basically half a season since 2019 yes he's on the 40 but outside of him dominating and forcing their hand like tanner Bivey, i don't think cantilla was ever coming up this year i just don't so no matter what he does he'd have to go out and just go out and throw you know 60 pitches in six innings and strike out eight batters and not walk anybody for them to be like, okay, well, he's doing enough with his 60 pitches. We'll bump him up. And I imagine they'll stretch him out more as the season goes along, but they are going to be super careful with him because of the injury last year, because of how little innings he's had. So if you think good about Cantillo as an option this year in Cleveland, the best I can say for that is maybe he comes up in the bullpen late in the year, maybe. And if he does before that, either something really good happened for him or something really bad happened for this, the, the the rotation or the the pitching staff at the major league level. Hopefully, it's the first thing and not the second thing. But 
I would be very surprised to see him at the major league level this season. Uh, still rooting for Cantillo. I like him. And as I said before, the pitching pipeline right now uh, is a little shaky, I think, at times. So Cantillo still doing pretty solidly. Had a question about Kate Smith that I, I will address. Doug Nikhazy, 17 walks, 10 strikeouts, and 10 innings. Again, six hits allowed. This is the same thing with Doug Nikhazy last year. The guy doesn't give up a lot of hits because he's hard to hit. But also, maybe he'd give up more hits if he threw more strikes. I don't know. Maybe that's, you know, six and one half dozen the other. If he throws more strikes, does he give up more hits? Maybe. But uh, I guess the good thing is when he's not, when he is throwing strikes, he's not giving up hits. When he's not throwing strikes, he's walking everybody, though, and that's a problem. Uh, I'm rooting for Dunn Casey. I think he's a smart, smart pitcher. He's a great teammate. He is fun to watch in terms of, you know, how he competes. He's got good stuff. He's just got to throw strikes. I don't know how it's ever going to happen for him. But, you know, leave it up to these guys to hope, hopefully figure it out for him. He'd still make a good reliever, but I don't know if that's going to improve the control. We'll see. Jack Lefwich, uh, nine strikeouts, eight in the third innings, two walks. He's looked good. Like I said, I think he is kind of your under-radar uh, pitching prospect right now. I thought he'd be a reliever last year when he came out and made his debut. He's been a good starter. Good for him. It's been better than his college teammate, Tommy Mace and best friend. Um, not how I saw that going truthfully. So yeah, good for him on the hitting side of thing. Oof, in Akron, it's been, it's been pretty ugly. Julian Escobedo had a good early season. I don't know if that's going to sustain. Uh, PD Halpins had some moments. The offense in Akron is just, it's bad. Uh, Jose Tena was missing, missed some time on the, uh, Temporary active list. Aaron Brasho had a couple early home runs, but uh, that's about it for him. Angel Martinez has struggled strikeout wise. I don't know. Teams just seem to have found a weakness with him with the breaking ball, um, but he's still pretty young for the level. Let's see how things pan out. He's not even 100 at bats yet. So there's nobody on offense in that team. Like Gabriel Rodriguez is struggling to adjust that level. 13 walks, 17 strikeouts. He had a rough day the other day, a four strikeout day, all swinging. So I think he's being exploited a little bit at that level. He's still super young. Let's see if, if what changes he made last year take. There's just not a lot going on there offensively. Brian Lavastida cleared waivers. He's back in Akron. Let's talk about his future a little bit. I, It's good for the Guardians that Lavastida cleared waivers. It is. He still has enough of a bat and a decent arm to be a backup catcher. I don't think his path to major league playing time exists in the system because someday the job is going to be bone nailers. You don't often hand the backup job to another, another young player. Often when you have a player like bone nailer, the backup job ends up being, you know, a Luke Maley or Austin hedges, or, you know, somebody who is, is comfortable being a backup and is older and has some experience. That is not going to be Brian Lavastida. You don't pair two young catchers together like that. It's not, it's very rare. It's unfortunate for a lot of Steve. I like the guy. I like the bat. I like the approach. I think it's good enough to be a major leaguer. And it's at a bat, you know, maybe a backup role, like, like if one thinks. I just don't see it happening in Cleveland. So it's good for, hopefully they can figure it out with him. But I think for a lot of Steve, he would have been better off in another organization that had more path of playing time for him. I think he'd be a good change of scenery candidate because he's spending his third year in Akron now. He's not going to go to AAA until Bo Naylor goes to the majors, and that could be a while um, because he is two for 22 throwing runners out. Zanino's playing well. David Fry's up. They like Cam Gallagher because he's handling the rookie pitchers very well. 
Bo Naylor is not coming up anytime soon. So as long as Naylor's in AAA, Lavis Nita's in AA. He's off to 40. He is blocked. And it's hard for players to repeat that level that many times. And I know he's not hitting like he did. Like you would think that, hey, this guy mastered AA in 2021. He was the he was in the majors in 2022. You'd think he'd go down and start hitting. But it's a mental thing. Some guy that happens to guys, and it's a mental thing. He'd be a good change of scenery candidate. Good for him. I don't know what they could get from him in the trade market. Probably not much, but it, you know, again, hopefully Cleveland can find out what's going on with him, why he can't rediscover the bat. It's got to be a mental approach or just you know frustration, which is it's understandable. I just don't think it's going to happen here for him. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I'd love to be wrong, but. Um, We'll see. All right. So we've kind of won around Akron a little bit. Uh, uh, let's see. I don't want to spend too much more time on stuff. Let's let's kind of look at some of the other stuff around the levels. Uh, Connor Pilkington is gone. Not really a prospect anymore. Um, at high A, let's see. The bullpen in Lake County is, is horrid. It's bad. Um, Tyler Thornton, to me, looks the best reliever at that level. He has a very, very hard to pick up arm angle because of the way he turns his back and comes in on a high sidearm motion. It's 90-94. He's got a good slider. He's got to figure out how to throw strikes more consistently. But I like what he's got. Uh, we talked about Will Dion. I think Dion needs a few more starts in Lake County before he can move up, but I like the stuff. And I'd like to see him go to AAA or AA when somebody gets bumped to AAA. We'll see if that happens. Ryan Webb had a good start last Sunday. Had a clunker this week. That's going to happen as he comes back. Um, other than that, in, in high A for pitching, it's kind of rough. At low A, I really like a couple of guys. So Austin Peterson to me was a guy who I thought was going to come in and have a lot of success early. He had a seven strikeout game in four and a third this past week. No runs, no walks. He's too advanced for that level. He throws a lot of strikes. He was like top five in strikeouts in the NCAA last year. Doesn't need to be at that level. He's too good. Low A baseball is not good. It's just not. Um, he's one of the few pitchers that throw strikes, which is why he's good. <laughs> not a lot of guys throw strikes down there, but uh, he's doing exactly what I thought he would. Parker Messick, he, he had an ugly start. Someone asked me on Twitter the other day, why did he come out after a night of finishing an inning? Because he threw 34 pitches in his last start, and it was one inning. The Guardians do not let their pitchers throw more than 38 pitches in an inning. So the fact that he got 34 uh, says a lot. He just couldn't get out of the first inning. A lot of foul balls, a lot of balls. Didn't have control. A lot of foul balls. Ha that happens sometimes. Uh, word is he's fine. He just you know couldn't get out of the first inning. I like what I've seen from Adam Tullock. Uh, he's been a, a reliever who's gotten some bulk innings out of the bullpen for Lynchburg. Very, very tough left-handed arm angle. He's part of that draft class last year. Um, really mostly fastball slider. I saw a little change last time out, but I like the stuff. Zach Jacobs, I watched a little bit of him the other day. Um, he's got interesting fastball breaking ball combination. Looks like a reliever to me, which I think is what they're doing with him. Um, he got hit around quite a bit, so he's got some things to work on. Let's see on the hitting side of things at other levels. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not great. Uh, we talked about them at Akron's hitting a little bit is pretty bad at high A. Joe Lampy first two uh, career home runs for him this past week at Dayton back to back days. Loved the swing on the fastball on the first home run. It was an inside fastball that he turned on and pulled down the right field line. It was a it was a shot off the bat too. So that's good to see. 
The next day it was a slider that was like, I don't want to say it was a hanger, but it was like knee high and it spun into the zone a little bit, but it was down and he went down and got it. He found the the barrel and uh, been waiting to see some more pop from Joe Lampy because it's a lot. It's been a lot of back up the middle singles and uh, kind of a slash approach, which is good for him because he's a fast guy and he's a contact guy. That's that's what this organization likes. They're hoping to find more power. Um, Surprised to see that he is a year younger than Will Brennan. So in 2019, Will Brennan had his breakout. I should say 2021. Will Brennan had his breakout at Lake County. He was a year older than Joe Lampy. I had been resisting the the um, the Lampy Brennan comparisons, and I still am because they're different players. I think Lampy is more speed contact, and I think Brennan still has a little more thump in uh, his bat, even though it's not great power. But I haven't seen it yet from Lampy. But those two home runs were good to see. So uh, Diane Frias continues to impress me. He was out of sorts last year with his swing. He was chasing a lot. I don't know what was going on. I think I wonder if it was the quality of pitching. Like I said, low A pitching is, is not good. So maybe just having a hard time finding strikes to swing at last year. This year, nine walks, um, six strikeouts, not a lot of power. He's played a good infield. Super happy to see that out of him. I really enjoyed watching him play. <clears throat> Juan Brito, I think I've talked about already in this podcast. The Guardians did it again. Juan Brito is a dude. Uh, 13 walks, six strikeouts. The guy doesn't chase anything. He could go to double A right now without question to me. Um, it's 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 a bat-only profile. He's been okay defensively. I don't think special. Um, he'll be okay defensively. I don't, I don't think he's going to be winning any gold gloves. We'll see. I could be wrong. Um, not a lot of speed to speak of, but the guy can hit. The guy can hit. I don't know if it's going to be for a lot of power either, of course, with this organization. Who knows? But the guy can hit. And he controls the strike zone. He's going to hit. Go to double A. Yordis Valdez continues to hit. He slowed down a little bit since early start, but um, we'll see how that keeps up. Glad to see Wilfredo Antunia's off the IL and Lynchburg playing again. Uh, seven walks, eight strikeouts, no homers yet, but guy just got has got to be on the field to see if what, what they got there. Mike, Mike, Mayak, Mike. Mac Colada, I'm not sure how you say his name. I'm going to find out from uh, our buddy Jason Pearl of Lynchburg. But uh, he's hitting the crap out of the ball. Only got one homer, but 14 walks, 19 strikeouts. I'm sorry, 16, 21 walks, 9 strikeouts, 333 batting average at low A. Pitching down there is bad, so I'm keeping an eye on him, but uh, not sure what to make of him yet. But he's 20, which is not bad for low A. It's not great, but it's not terrible. Uh, Nate Furman continues to hit well. He's getting on base. He's got 11 steals already. Guy Lipscomb's got 14 steals. Again, those are two guys that both should be in, in high A. Angel Zarate is hitting well. Again, another guy that should be in high A. Um, Juan Benjamin has been playing well. Not surprised there. He's got eight steals. They're running wild down there. Jose Devers has looked interesting. So... A lot of good things going on down in low A. Low A might be, is one of the most interesting rosters. I don't know how good they are. They all need to be at higher levels for the most part, but they're certainly interesting. So, all right, let's get to some questions real quick here um, at the end. So, our buddy Nunzio Izzo wants to know any updates on Justin Boyd, Ethan Hankins, Justin Campbell. So, told you about Campbell. There's nothing, uh, nothing new on him. It's a very dicey elbow injury from what we hear. And, you know, nothing new. Ethan Hankins is back at uh, Lake County, which is good. He has never pitched above high A. 
uh, of low A, I should say. Last time he was in Lake County, they were low A in 2019. There is nothing new on Justin Boyd. It's a hamstring injury. We're going to be careful with that. Uh, also, we'll save us for a future podcast, Nunzio. He won a top 10 system-wide middle infielders with Frias, Valdez, and Francisca. Others did well in Lynchburg. Let's save that for a future podcast. Uh, Zach, Fino MVP, want to know about Angel Martinez's a slow start, and I mentioned that. He's having some trouble with the curve, unfortunately. Um, just kind of looks like he is is uh, having a hard time understanding, seeing what, what pitches are coming and is kind of guessing right now, but he'll be okay. DJ Goff said, wants to know when Will Dion is going to arrive in Akron. We talked about that a little bit, and he said, I don't care about his velocity. The man's dominating. Yes, he's got to get to 91-92. I'm sorry. 91-92 is below average velocity as a starter. It's below average for a reliever, believe it or not, but it's not it's not a fastball that's going to survive the major league level. He has got to pitch off everything else, and he's got to spot his fastball. Now, if he is consistently 91-92, that's good. Last year, it was more like 88-90. I still think that's the case now where he's scraping 91-92. The velocity does matter. I know you don't want to think it does, but it does. The guy is getting by on control. He's got, again, the curveball's great. The slider's good. The changeup's good. He's got the secondaries. He's got the control. But the fastball does matter. He is really a Josh Tomlin at best if he doesn't improve the fastball. And, and maybe he is starting to get there, but it does matter. Our old friend Hiram wants to know what the latest on Valera is. Valera is only been playing mostly defense out in Arizona. Um, he's still progressing to play in games offensively. Going to be a little bit before he gets back to – he's got to play in games hitting in Arizona and extended spring training before he can get back to Columbus. So it's going to be a little bit for him as he is barely, if he, if he is swinging at all, it's, it's a, that's a very new development. The last development was he was not hitting in games. He was only playing defensively and uh, he's going to, have to face live pitching first. Is Kate Smith ready for triple a. That's a good question. Kate Smith uh, has missed some bats. I would put him in triple a. Yeah. Um, I think stuff plays 14 strikeouts, 10 to third innings, five walks, which is good because uh, the walk rate's not great, but it's been an issue for him. Their bullpen and triple A is disastrous. They have a bunch of retreads and projects and fillers. So yeah, I put Kate Smith in triple A, see what happens. Cause he's got to be on the 40 man roster this fall. And I don't know if he goes in the rule five draft necessarily, but um, might as well see if it can play in triple A guess on we'll see Morris. Cody Morris is not even on the mound yet. So it's going to be some time for him anytime soon. Guess when we see Williams hot take. Gavin Williams will make his major league debut before Joey Cantillo. That's my hot take of the podcast this week. Williams will be up this year. I think it's going to happen. I'll tell you more on lockdown guardians, but um, I think Williams will be up this year. Cantillo. I don't see it. Am I ready to trade a mad Rosario to give Freeman and Rokio a chance? Yes. I've been long on that board. I'm ready to move on from Freeman or Ahmed. I want to see Rokio. I want to see Freeman. One of the two doesn't matter. I see Rokio. Um, I don't think it's going to happen as long as they're competing, but who knows? Is Ethan Hankins like a, a, relief, a reliever now? We don't know. I, I addressed that earlier in the podcast. We said that we weren't sure. I got that question also from John Turner. Um, TBD, they have to get him innings first. Again, if he pitches one inning, it doesn't mean he's a reliever. They're just building him up. If he pitches three innings, then that's a good sign because they're trying to build him up as a, as, as a starter real quickly, but uh, it may be one inning early on. We'll see. Uh, Adam P., 
all the pitching at the major league level and the trickle effect, the minors who will get pulled up sooner than normal and who has a chance to exceed expectations. I think, I mean, I don't know if is Williams is Williams, a guy that counts here. I'm not sure, but I just said that um, I think Gavin Williams makes his major league debut before Joey Cantillo, despite the fact that there are 40 man issues there. Um, so I think Williams will make it up there. I think we'll see Jack Leftwich, not this year, maybe maybe next year. Um, I'd like to see Tanner Burns make it. I don't know how that's going to work. I think, to me, it's got to be Jack Leftwich as your exceeds expectations. He, to me, is the next pitching prospect in that system, if, especially if Campbell um, is out for any length of time or needs surgery. Hopefully that's not the case, but we'll see. Um Patrick Collins, where do you put Petey Halpin in the outfield prospects food chain for the Guardians? So I had Will Brennan. He just kind of graduated off the rookie list, although he's still on our list. I have Will Brennan as the best outfielder in the system just because I really believe in what he can do. Um, after Will Brennan, it's George Valera. It's Chase DeLauder. And then Halpin, so that's three. So I guess Halpin is kind of... 4A or 4B with Jason Chorio. I, I, it's hard to say with Chorio. We haven't seen him yet. He's going to be in the Arizona uh, rookie complex this season, which is good. Um, I think Halpin and him are pretty close. I like Halpin quite a bit. I think Chorio has a very high ceiling, and he could surpass Halpin. So I think he is right there. He's To me, he's behind DeLauder. He's behind... Valera and behind Will Brennan for right now because Will Brennan still was a prospect. Otherwise, I guess you could say DeLauder, Brennan, or DeLauder, Valera, PD, Chorio. And then Lampy. I think Lampy is putting himself in the conversation as well, but I'd like to see him against the higher level as well. Uh, after that, it's kind of a mess. But uh, yeah, so he and Jason Chorio, we'll see how that goes. Um, let's Let's give out pitcher and player of the month in the Guardians farm system. Let's see. Who had the best month? Offensively, this probably isn't too hard, right? I think we should go with Tyler Freeman. Tyler Freeman at 347 in the month of April. Two dingers, five doubles, 10 walks, which is good for him. He's never been much of a walker. 12 strikeouts, nine steals, hasn't been caught. 347 average. Um, 474 in base, 520 slug. By far, I think the best month. From any regular Joe Lampy had a great month. Um, I'm going to give it to Freeman just because he got himself called up and uh, the numbers were good and he's doing it at the highest level. So I'm going to give Tyler Freeman the hitter of the month in the system from next year in Cleveland. Uh, pitchers, probably really easy. Gavin Williams, uh, just because he has more innings in the minors now, but uh 26 strikeouts, six walks, 19 and two-thirds innings pitched in the RA below one. Um, a strikeout rate of 35.6%, a whip of 0.76%. Going with Gavin Williams, a double A and triple A. That was an easy one. Let me know what you think. Let me know if he would have gone in a different direction. Um, we'll call it a week on that. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Guardians of the Future podcast. Again, we will try to get more guests on going on. I'm going to see if we can talk about the captains next week to somebody from Lake County or possibly Matthew Cannell from our, our site. Uh, if you're not subscribed, Twitter does not like Substack links still. 
So if you are a listener of this podcast and you want to read more, go to nextyearincle.substack.com and get all of the articles sent to your email directly. I will post the link in the podcast description. Uh, if you're a regular listener, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify, let me know how I'm doing as a solo host this podcast and um, as I look for more guests in the future here. And I, I'm hoping I will have some interview audio to play from this homestand against Lake County. Maybe I'll ask a player to come on next week. Um, definitely working on having some second voices on here because I know mine gets pretty old, especially when you hear me on Lockdown Guardians five times a week. But uh, working on that, let me know what you think of me as a solo host. And hey, feel free to make it constructive. If you don't want to leave me a five-star review, leave me whatever star review you think I'm worth. But if it's below five stars, tell me why, how I can get the five stars. Um, want to make sure I'm doing the best job possible. I know this is a diehard, diehard, diehard listener podcast. <laughs> this is the niche audience, as it always has been. The numbers have been down, though, I'm going to admit. Um, you know, last year we were... About 500 listeners strong most weeks. Not bad for a focused, a mildly focused podcast without any support. Um, this year, we're about half that. And maybe that's because I wasn't regular over the offseason, because it's just me. Um, format changes, what, and I'm on Lockdown Guardians. Maybe you're sick of me. But, hey, if you like Guardians prospects, tell a friend if, if they do. So let them know if you think they, they would love it. Uh, share with a friend. Share the word about Guardians prospects. We're Like I said, I'm going to get a player on here. It's some players this season. I'm going to get someone with the front office this season. We're going to have interviews with players and coaches from, from my visits to Lake County. We'll get some other guests on. Uh, Willie Hood will jump on again at some point and talk about the draft. We'll, we'll drag him out of retirement at some point. We'll see what we can do. But uh, those who are listening consistently, I really do appreciate it. Like I said, tell a friend if you can. Share the word. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week.